The following program may contain coarse language and is intended for an adult audience. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Are you ready? Can you feel it? Change is a coming. Radio Free G. No topic is sacred. No view is unchallenged. Visit RadioFreeG.blogspot.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Welcome to your new world. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. It is mid-February 2009, and you are listening to episode 39 of Radio Free G. Welcome to your new world. On today's show, we are going to be discussing two articles from the Globe and Mail, Canada's national newspaper. Of course, they're a business newspaper. They try to be like the New York Times. They don't publish on Sundays, and their weekend edition costs 7 or $8. But that being said, I think they're a fine paper, and the newspaper articles are from a gentleman named Sinclair Stewart. They are from uh, February 4th and 3rd of 2009. I'll have the links up uh, on the website radiofreeg.blogspot.com. That way you can go and check them out for yourself. I won't be going into the entire articles. Uh, one is purely uh, based on the American reaction to a certain executive order passed by President, now President, Barack Obama. And the other article shows really the lunacy of those running the Canadian banks who succeed in spite of themselves due to government regulations. But we'll get into that after we look at the American perspective. The very first thing that I would like to do is give a quick recap of the financial turmoil that has engulfed the planet since October of 2008. Recently I produced an episode where I sort of went into, in somewhat greater detail, um, the damage, where it came from, how it got started, what role certain actors have in the play of destruction. Now I'm going to give you a quick and dirty recap on one key element. You will hear it tossed around, actually sorry, make that two. You will hear these two terms tossed around almost with with vitriol by certain people. They are asset-backed commercial paper, and TARP. Last one first. TARP, an acronym, stands for Toxic Asset Recovery Plan. This is the famed bailout money, bailout in air quotes, bailout money that the American government is giving to financial institutions and to a, a lesser extent, which really burns my ass, the American automakers. To understand what the toxic assets are that are being recovered, we need to look at asset-backed commercial paper. Quick and dirty again. Asset-backed commercial paper is a short-term financing vehicle. What happens is that large companies, now I'm in Canada, so I'll, I'll be using Canadian companies. Well, I'll use at least one Canadian company, Canadian Tire. Uh, it's a national chain. Canadian Tire, they sell auto parts and all sorts of, they moved into the home decorating business, they have decor, they have paint, they have hardware, they have whatever you need. Sort of a catch-all place. They need money. Another giant company, such as, say, 
Sears, another retailer. They have their cash budget at the beginning of the year. They know that they don't need X millions of dollars for the next four months. They will offer a short-term loan to Canadian Tire, and these loans are called commercial paper. Canadian Tire takes the money, it's very short-term, quick and dirty, they use it, they give it back. The reason why Sears does this is because in, in their cash flow cycle, there will come a time when they need money, and instead of going to the banks and having a formal agreement and being on the hook and having all of this, this rigmarole, they can borrow money from Canadian Tire when their cash flow budget shows that they have money they don't need for a few months at a, a few months at a time and they can give that money to Sears so that's commercial paper now what happened with the asset backed commercial paper is that the banks in the in the uh, early and mid 2000s or the knots as i call them the double zeros when people were buying houses left right and center because credit was cheap uh, they and ridiculously cheap, all time levels of cheap. Uh, you know, the, the, I, I don't blame anyone for for going in and getting in over their heads at, at those prices, but they were not aware that you know what, if the interest rate goes from one percent to three percent, that triples your amount of debt. Think about that for a second. Think about if your credit card bill, it, the balance that you're carrying, uh, uh, and the interest payment that you're paying suddenly tripled. That's what people failed to realize when they got into when they got in over their over their heads. So, the banks would use commercial paper between each other. Banks would loan each other money. They do this on a regular basis using the commercial paper. They decided to go outside the system and they would take commercial paper from and to other institutions that were not banks. And when the risk factor came up saying, well, you know, what's the collateral on these? The money that the bank would take and purchase a mortgage with and buy a mortgage with, they would turn around and make that mortgage the collateral on the commercial paper. To a bank, a mortgage is an asset. And there you have asset-backed commercial paper. When people start defaulting on their houses, and the assets are worth nothing, the commercial paper is worth nothing as well. So the institutions amongst themselves have value disappearing daily. Everyone is out in the short term. That causes a run on cash. People line up to take their money out of the bank and you end up where we are today. It didn't start overnight many many things have to take place but that's a quick and dirty primer the toxic assets are those asset-backed commercial paper are those mortgages that are worth nothing now because people have thrown the keys on the table and walked away because it's cheaper to do that that's what the TARP money is for that's what the bailout money is for it's the American government giving money to the banks to buy their toxic assets or their bad mortgages or their bad assets and giving them the credit giving them an equity infusion, giving them cash to go out and get better assets and buy better mortgages of people that won't default and won't throw the keys on the table so that the credit system keeps on moving. It, in our system, in the capitalist system, paying back doesn't really mean anything. 
it's paying the interest back. When you don't pay the interest back, the whole system grinds to a halt. No one cares if you ever pay back your bill. It's better for everyone involved if you don't pay back your bill, except for you. As long as you keep making the minimum payments, everyone's happy. So there's a quick and dirty explanation. Let's get into article number one right after this. So you think I'm full of shit? You think you could do any better? Got a comment, question, idea? Send it along to one 494 2263 That's one g bend Available toll-free across North America. Call the G-Band and make your opinion count. Call one 494 2263 now. So let's talk about article number one from Sinclair Stewart, February 4, 2009. Title is Obama Targets Wall Street Excess. Again, this is the first article I will discuss. Second one coming up for a Canadian perspective. Both available at radiofreeg.blogspot.com. Links are up. Check out the site. The first article deals with U.S. President Barack Obama and his uh, crackdown on executive compensation dealing specifically with the CEOs of the banks. Their salary is being capped at $500,000. Executive pay is seeing a revolution. Executive compensation is under scrutiny. Banks are going out of business, but those who lead the banks are taking huge paychecks home. The problem, however, with this $500,000 limit is that, number one, it does not go far enough. The $500,000 limit applies only to banks that receive, and from the article here, exceptional assistance. And only three of the U.S. banks seem to fit the criterion. Bank of America, Citigroup, and American International Group, or AIG. Let's just stop here and think about this for a second. When you're limiting someone's pay to $500,000, I wish my pay could be limited to $500,000. I would gladly get paid once a year for $500,000 and give up the compensation that I am receiving now. Even calling it compensation makes a mockery of the term compensation, what I am receiving. So they're not taking home billions and billions of dollars. There was a report that recently came out that said, again from the articles, that U.S. bankers received 18.4 billion, that's billion with a B, as in batshit crazy, U.S. dollars in bonuses for 2008. If you listen to my last show dealing with this, you know that I am against any of this money going to the banks. Why are they spending money, uh, and I'll give you two reasons, why are they spending money giving money to companies that have obviously failed? Why not let them fail? I mentioned this specifically when talking about the U.S. automakers. Let them fail. That is the capitalist way to do things. That is the free market way to do things. When the government steps in and props up ailing businesses, that is socialism. That is the government setting the market. It should not be allowed. 
Maybe, maybe I will make a small exception for the banks. Because in a free market system, you have to have available credit. And if all the banks start crumbling in the United States, that's terrible for the entire system in and of itself. Totally separate from an independent firm like an automaker. They should be allowed to fail. A bank, okay, maybe if you want to try and give them some money. Eh, I mean, you had this experiment. It doesn't have to be this way. The Canadian banks, due to the regulations from the government, were never put in the situation that the banks in the U.S. are in. I'll be talking more about that in the next segment when I when we get to the Canadian perspective. But just dealing with the, the, the cap on executive pay. Here's from the article some some examples of what we're talking about. The ridiculous and 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 mind-numbing amounts of money that some people are receiving. From the article, quote, Stan O'Neill, who was ousted as head of Merrill Lynch in the fall of 2007, left with a severance package of $161 million, a year before the company, Merrill Lynch, was forced to sell itself to Bank of America. Bank of America CEO Ken Lewis made more than $20 million in 2007 alone, but has recently been handed tens of billions of dollars from Washington so that he can complete his takeover of Merrill Lynch. Charles Price, forced out of the top job at Citigroup about the same time as Mr. O'Neill, was shown the door, departed with a $68 million nest egg. The U.S. government is now the largest shareholder in Citigroup, and the once sprawling company is being broken up. Unquote. So we can sit and throw around figures all day of ridiculous sums of money, but what does it mean in the overall grand scheme of things? What it means is, number one, the U.S. government is crazy for giving money to the people that put them in the situation in the first place. Not only do these executives walk away with huge bonuses, because their bonuses are based on when times were good, but they're the same ones who are being given more money and being told to fix the problem. That's stupid conclusion number one. Stupid conclusion number two. You have started to limit, yes, the, the limits on executive pay really have no teeth, but you have started to put limits on. Again, going back to the article, it says that uh, at first it was uh, banks that received aid from Washington. The severance packages or the golden parachutes were limited only to the top five executives. Now that list of limiting the golden parachute is going to be expanded to the top ten, and soon the top 25 most senior management, uh, most senior members of senior management will not be able to collect golden parachute payments that exceed their normal salary. So the steps are there, the map is there, the plan is there to have this filter its way down top to bottom throughout these corporations. Throughout these, uh, uh, throughout these banks, where those at the very top will not get paid. Those making the executive decisions, those with the drive, and those at the wheel guiding these companies will not be compensated for the work that they are doing. Now, of course, everyone at, at the bottom of the pyramid looks up at the top and says, those people don't do anything. 
but as you go higher up the food chain, it's less about day-to-day -day activities and more about long-term planning and forecasting and recognizing where the company needs to be and putting it in a situation to succeed instead of the day-to-day -day nuts and bolts operations. Those people are dealing with theory up at, up at the top. Those people up at the top are dealing with the ideas and spearheading the direction of the firm. If you tell those people at the top, if you tell the people with talent who rose up through the ranks and say, even if you make good decisions, you won't be compensated, they will leave. They will go elsewhere. Now it's not that big a deal. We have, we have high unemployment, well, relatively high unemployment for the past, even the past decade. You have relatively high unemployment. Personal perspective. Three years ago, I was not scared of finding work. There were jobs aplenty. Now, the tables have flipped, and the power is with the employer. There's a reason people in the nouveau riche provinces of Canada, specifically Alberta, specifically cities such as Fort McMurray, there's a reason why people there were getting paid over $20 an hour to work the counter at Tim Hortons. The employers had to pay. Given the economic environment, they had to pay, otherwise people simply would not work there. They would not fill the job because people were willing to go elsewhere. They knew they had the means to do better someplace else. That's what's going to happen with the talent in the banking industry. That's what's going to happen to the talent within the financial industry. It's going to go where it can get paid. Putting limits on executive pay does nothing to help the firm. Hell, everyone who reaches a certain level in the executive structure should only be paid on what the firm makes. They should even have a base salary. Their whole pay should be based on bonus. And their bonus should be taken, and, and, and whatever they've been paid out, because you know people have to eat throughout the course of a year, whatever they've been paid out should come off their bonus. That's how you get the people at the top doing their best work, doing the best job that they can do to help the firm and keep the firm solvent. Because if they get paid nothing, if the firm goes out of business, if there is no more golden parachute for them where they get the money on at the front end on the way out, when they're given money to walk away, when the board decides we don't want you anymore, goodbye, That's how the whole golden parachute got started in the first place. One guy said, you know what, I want some guarantees. If you fire me, I'm going to get money up front. He got it, and that set the framework for every single other person that followed in his brilliant footsteps. I don't want to blame the guy. It was a brilliant move. A fantastic move. Good for him. But if you want to get rid of uh, 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 incompetence at the top... If you want to make people at the top work harder, you don't tell them you're going to get paid less. You tell them you're going to get paid more. You tell them you're going to get paid if your company does well. That's, that's the carrot dangling at the end of the stick.
and then see how quickly talent rushes in to be the guy to say, I'm the one that turned this around. To be the woman to say, I'm the one that turned this around. We're going to get to the Canadian perspective on this in just a second. I want to say one more thing on this, play you one more uh, uh, Radio Free G one-shot, and then we're going to, like I said, get into the Canadian perspective. But just think about it. I want you to, wherever you're listening to this, whether you're listening in your car, whether you're listening on a, you're, you're out running, uh, um, whether you're in the, in the gym and you, maybe you're watching something on TV with the sound off and you have me playing, think about this for one second. You're at your, you are at your place of business. And the boss comes in and says, everybody's taking a pay cut. The first thing you're going to think of is, I can't wait to see the want ads when I get home. Because this is bullshit. And if you are a good employee, and your company is losing you, What does that say about the company? I don't see a bright future for that company. Yeah, they may not go out of business the very next day because you decide to leave. But you can only lose so many people. And then the firm as a whole begins to suffer. We'll be back with the Canadian perspective right after this. If you think Animal Planet is a free porn channel, you got problems I can't even get into right now. You're listening to Radio Free G. To subscribe to the free podcast, search for Radio Free G on iTunes, or you may head to the website radiofreeg.blogspot.com and transmission. Now, for the Canadian perspective, we look at Sinclair Stewart's other article from February 3rd, 2009. Again, links available on the website. Canada's top bankers are taking pay cuts, and it's not because of performance. Welcome to Bay Street's new calculus. So here, here is the first paragraph of the article. Quote, They haven't gone to the government for billions of dollars in bailout money. They haven't been forced into bankruptcy or asked taxpayers to guarantee their toxic assets. Yet while Canadian bank CEOs have dodged many of the problems plaguing Wall Street, they know they won't be immune to the outcry over excessive pay in the financial industry. End quote. The Canadian banks fell into the luxury of avoiding most of what is happening in the United States. How did they do that? Because the Canadian banking system is regulated. It's regulated more than any other country probably in the world and still functions within a Western capitalist system of making credit available. Yes, they make money hand over fist still. They had some exposure to everything that happened in the US. It's impossible to avoid it completely. But they may be the best situated banks in the world given the global economic collapse that happened since October of 2008. They may be the ones positioned best to deal with the situation. So what happens? Instead of taking credit and saying, yes, we did a good job, 
we have fools like the CEOs of the of the major Canadian banks. One in particular who this this I just find stunning. Jerry McConney. Uh, I hope I'm saying that name correctly. I'm sure he doesn't care. He's a, he's a millionaire many times over. What does he care about what I have to say? Anyways, he's the CEO of the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, or CIBC for short. Possibly the worst Canadian bank going today. He was scheduled to make almost $13 million in executive compensation. But he twice, twice, that's two times, requested cuts that will trim his pay to $3.8 million. How did this happen? There are five big Canadian banks. Many of them, well, all of them, have outperformed their global peers. Given the high unemployment, or the relatively high unemployment that I mentioned before, in Canada, I believe it's, uh, at the time of this recording, it's somewhere around 7.2 to 7.6, somewhere in that range, unemployment rate in Canada. And people seeing these huge paychecks when they're losing their jobs is abysmal. So they are worried about backlash, even though banks are always criticized for handing out huge pay. Any executive is criticized for their huge pay. Anyone in general, no matter what they're doing, is pretty much criticized for their huge paycheck as soon as it becomes public. I don't see any difference just because these people are banks and people are unemployed. It's a free market system. You're worth whatever someone's willing to pay you. And if you happen to be the one who sets the worth of what someone pays you, more power to you. There's nothing inherently different in the work done by someone working a low-level service job and someone working at a high-level executive pay, or someone working at a high-level executive job. In the free market system, whatever you can get is whatever you can get. There's no issue of deserve coming into it. There's no inherent goodness associated with one job over another. There is nothing inherent to one job saying this job should be should provide greater compensation than another job. So let's see what Jerry Boy here went through with the CI with with the CIBC. Quote from the article. Mr. McConney's demural was even more unusual because of a unique payment structure at CIBC. His compensation is deferred for a year so that directors have a longer time to assess his performance. In other words, he is now being paid for 2007, which was a record year for the CIBC bank. Originally, calculations determined he would be paid $12.96 million. But Mr. Mercani asked that his compensation be reduced by the same amount that it was for other members of his senior management team in 2007, according to a proxy circular released last night. That brought his pay to $9.4 million. End quote. I'm going to just take a second here. Okay, that move I'll give the guy credit for. No man is an island. His other senior managers took a pay cut as well. Now, in Canada, again, it's not enforced from the top down, from the chief executive, from the president and prime minister. 
if the Prime Minister's office did not come out and say, we're going to cap everyone's pay. So this guy, you know what? 13 million, hey, he gave back a couple million. That's a class move. Okay? His other senior executives took a hit. I'm sure they helped him to earn that 12 million, that 12.94, that 13 million, whatever the case was. Class move. Back to the article. Quote, that brought his pay to 9.4 million, after which he asked the board to reduce it further. The directors came back with a new figure of 6.7 million, none of which was cash-based, at which point Mr. McConney volunteered another cut of 1.4 million, bringing his pay to 5.3 million. However, because a substantial portion of this was in restricted shares that were priced when the stock was more than double what it is now, his effective pay will be 3.8 million. End quote. Okay. Jerry, you did a classy thing when you stood in line with the rest of your senior team. But then you go and you ask for it to be cut. And the board says, fine, we'll cut it. And then you ask for it to be cut again. I don't understand this. Yes, okay, you know what? You're still walking away with 3.8 million for the year. That's fine. But you are setting a terrible example for everyone that comes after you. We had the brilliance of the first guy to get the golden parachute clause where it said, you pay me money if you fire me. Regardless of the job I do. Followed up by you. Undoing all of that good work. You volunteered to have your pay cut when there's no reason to have it cut. That bonus is based upon the years, is based upon the record year for the bank. You did your fucking job to the best of your ability, did a great job, and you gave back all the money. Gave it back to whom? The corporation? To CIBC Bank? How you even managed to get them record profits is astounding. With that crappy bank. Crappy service, crappy interest rates, crappy telephone system, crappy online service, everything about them. Garbage. But you manage to lead them to record profits, and then you give that money back. You think any of your senior management team is going to be stepping in to fill your shoes when the time comes? Hell no. Because the board is going to expect the exact same thing from them. You set the precedent, you jackass. And if I was a shareholder in CIBC... Thank God I'm not. I'd be the first one to fucking throw stones at at, at you if if I saw you walking down walking down the street. Why the hell would you do that? All you are doing is setting the example, setting the precedent for all the talent to leave CIBC Bank. If I'm working at CIBC Bank and I happen to have some talent, and I read about this, what's my impetus for staying there? At the first sign that the that things are getting better, at the first signal that I can leave CIBC, not take too much of a hit to myself, and go someplace that's better for me in the long term, I am fucking on my horse and gone. CIBC was shit to begin with. How the hell are they going to compete now? Again, I'm not saying that you single-handedly brought down CIBC. Canadian banks have so much money, it's ridiculous. They're never going to go under. 
But given what you did, there's levels of success. I cannot see CIBC retaining those levels of success. So to anyone out there, listenership, if you have stock in CIBC, write this douchebag a letter. Send him an email. Do something and tell him, what the hell did you do? Find out his senior management team. Hell, you can even, you can even send, him, send him the link to the show. Because I want him to hear what I have to say about him. This is a terrible decision. And why? Why? You did the job. You did well. Get paid. All you've done is show everyone underneath you, this is what waits for you if you come to sit in my big comfy chair. If you manage to get into and claw your way into my corner office, if you manage to climb hand over fist over the stinking mound of humanity of people who want to get their hands on my executive washroom key, this is what is waiting for you. I would be out of that place in a heartbeat. I hope I don't get sued over any of this, but still, listenership... I ask you please, tell your friends, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on iTunes. On behalf of myself, Radio Free G, everyone in the Radio Free G family that makes this show possible, for the best listenership in the world, catch you again next time on the G-Bag, in transmission. You have been listening to Radio Free G. Send all feedback and show ideas to RadioFreeG at gmail.com or visit the website at RadioFreeG.blogspot.com. Catch you again next time on the G Band. End transmission.